We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday at the halftime mark of the show, and we're bringing you an update live from Patriots training camp. Evan Lazar joins me now on the West Her Hotline to help us better understand what's been going down in Patriots country. Evan, as always, man, appreciate your time and analysis. Thanks for joining me and making some time for us here at WGR. No problem, Nate. Thanks for having me on. No, my pleasure, Evan. So listen, um, I think... Everybody's got one eye on the division, right? The, everyone's uh, Today was the big uh, in-person practice for the Bills, over 20,000 fans in the stands watching the team at Highmark Stadium. And, and I think as people are leaving the stadium now, hopping in their cars, they're tuning on the radio, they want to hear what the hell's going on around the division, particularly the team that I think most people, not only around the league but here in Buffalo, believe are the greatest threat to the Bills in this division, the New England Patriots, a team that has maybe has added more wins above replacement than any team in NFL history during training camp and the draft this year. Before we get into all the other additions and kind of how, how the defense is playing out, because that's really where they made their biggest impact um, this offseason, let's talk about the quarterback position. I, I'm, I'm sure that I can't be the only person that's asking you about it. I'm sure fans want to know. I'm sure you're writing about it a lot. I guess the question I want to ask you, Evan, is your impression through the first couple of days of training camp. Is there a quarterback battle happening, or is it – I guess the question is just, does it feel like there's an actual battle for the starting quarterback position right now in New England, or has it appeared to at least the first couple of days of practice, this is Cam Newton's job, and Mac Jones is going to have a tough, not a lot of opportunities to take that away from Cam? Well, this morning we spoke to Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, and according to Belichick, he once again said, Cam is our starting quarterback, and there's really no hesitation from him on that regard. I will say, though, that based off of reps and who I think – more importantly than just the number of reps might be who is repping with who, right? Like who's working with the starting offensive line, who's working with the starting group of receivers. And both Cam and Mac at times have had opportunities to work with the, the other 10 starters on the field, if you will. You know, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, starting offensive line. You know, those guys have cycled in a little bit with both of those. I would say it definitely has leaned towards Cam Newton. I, I think what Belichick said this morning is backed up both in terms of performance and what we've seen in terms of reps as well out at training camp. Uh, they're giving Mac plenty of opportunities, though, and I don't know if that's necessarily opportunities to take the job right now. Maybe it's more we got to get him integrated and we got to get him working with these guys because he's going to be our long-term starter, and a bunch of these guys are probably going to be around for an- the next couple of years especially the ones that they signed in free agency. You know, they signed Hunter Henry to a three-year deal, Johnny Smith to a four-year deal. Nelson Aguilar is only on a two-year deal, but you got to think that Mac will be the starter in 2022 by the latest point. So 
He's definitely integrated. He's definitely getting involved with the starting group. Uh, but for right now, Cam has played better and continues to be the guy that Belichick is back. Evan, talk a little bit about the difficulty and the balancing act as an offensive coordinator you have to sort of play here. Because I view Mac Jones and how this offense looks under him compared to how this offense looks under Cam Newton as being remarkably different, almost polar opposite. So if you are... The, if you're the if you're the offense coordinator right now, how do you build an offense that highlights the guy that you believe is going to be the starter, but leaves in room for Mac Jones to potentially, at some point, potentially take over this year or into next year? Like, I, I look at it this way, right? I look at I look at the Bills, right? And part of the reason they moved on from Matt Barkley this offseason, Evan, was they believed they had to change fundamentally change the scheme in the offense. If Josh Allen got hurt, they have to tailor this offense around Matt Barkley. They just don't have the same skill set. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that you know uh, that I think Mitch Trubisky and Josh Allen are similar talents, but I don't think Brian Dable has to fundamentally change the offense when Mitchell Trubisky comes in. He brings the same level of athleticism. He can get the ball out quickly. He doesn't have to change who they are fundamentally. I feel like if you're Josh McDaniel, you have to fundamentally change your offense if Cam Newton comes off the field, whether it's for injury or lack of success on the field, for Mac Jones. So, like, how do you balance that as a play caller? It's a great question, and I'll say this first before I do have you know a point to make about what we've seen so far. But the first thing I will say is that based off of last year, based off of what we've seen out here at training camp and mini camp in June, Josh McDaniels' passing systems, the passing concepts that he runs when they put the ball in the air, is not going to change no matter who the quarterback is. Right? They're going to cause or, or force, I should say, Cam Newton or Mac Jones to learn their way of doing things, and their system and McDaniels' system. It's the same system that we've seen with Tom Brady for the last 20 years, and there aren't a whole lot of differences. There are some tweaks here and there to adapt the scheme to Cam, but for the most part, this is the same foundation from what we saw with Brady, and it's on Cam to learn the playbook and learn the system. Now, we did have a sequence, I believe it was yesterday, that's four plays in a row for Cam, then four plays in a row with Mac just right back to back. And in Cam's four-play sequence, the last two plays, they were drilling the run game. The last two plays were quarterback options, right? There was some sort of threat for the quarterback to run the football, whether it was a zone read, power, or something like that. Then Mac came into the huddle and they had to run everything from under center, and there was no quarterback option plays in the last yep. two plays. So you saw it right then and there. Okay, we're going to run this package with Cam. We know we can't run that package with Mac. And I do wonder, the two quarterbacks, they are who they are. They've been running their their sort of styles for plenty of years now. But the question is, is the other 10, 12, you know, 15 guys around them that are going to play a lot, how do they kind of adapt when – they have a guy that's a little bit more mobile in Cam, or maybe they're calling some different things with Cam in there in terms of the run game. And then Mac comes in, and they got a stationary quarterback. And Mac moves around the pocket pretty well. You know, he's done some good bobbing and weaving and type, that type of stuff, but he's certainly not an athlete back there like Cam is. So two very, very different styles. I, I would say Mac has a little bit more agility in the pocket, a little bit more ability to move around the pocket, whereas Cam is kind of that – big, you know, dominating presence in the middle of the pocket. That's very difficult to get to the ground because he's so big, but he's not necessarily, you know, bobbing and weaving like a boxer in and out of punches, right? You know, he, he's somebody that kind of just stands there on his spot. So they're very different styles, and I, I am interested to see how they kind of balance that and, and how Josh McDaniels approaches it because, to me, 
making Cam play the offense that Brady played for 20 years mm. here is kind of fitting a trying to fit a round yeah. hole into a square peg, right? It's really not his game. So if they're going to be successful and they're going to turn this thing around and they're going to win 11, 12 games this year and make the playoffs, then I do think Josh McDaniels is going to have to change his ways a little bit. So far, he's been reluctant to do that. Evan Lazar here joining me on the Western Hotline is Patriots Beat reporter for CLNS Media and the host of the Patriots Beat podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at EZLazar on Twitter. So, Evan, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I, I, I think this has been maybe a storyline that's been buried because every, all eyes are on the quarterback position. Obviously, the moves made a tight end at wide receiver. They've been sort of the sexier things to talk about this training camp and leading into training camp. And I'm wondering... How does this backfield look, particularly from a fantasy perspective? I think for the most part, everybody kind of expects and understands that this is a backfield that is going to be multiple. There's not going to be that feature back, so to speak. Is In your mind, is that changing a little bit with Damon Harris? Like, Is he the guy that you believe is the feature back? And what does that mean for Sony Michelle? I mean, this is a guy this, this team put a lot of resources into, and it seems like he has really fallen out of favor there in New England. Well, Sony's actually looked really good out there at practice. I'm not saying Damian Harris hasn't, but I think Sony has slimmed down a little bit. He looks a little bit quicker, lighter on his feet. He's caught some passes coming out of the backfield, which was something that a lot of Patriots fans have been clamoring for because they're very one-dimensional. When they put Sony Michelle in the game, they run the ball over 60% of the time, and defenses just kind of know what's coming, right? They know it's probably going to be a run, and if it's going to be a pass, it's going to be some sort of under-center play-action type of concept. So they're very predictable with a guy like Sony Michelle on the field, and at times even with a guy like Damian Harris. But I think both of those guys are going to be featured prominently, especially if Cam is the quarterback and they're running the ball as often as you would think they would with Cam. I don't think that this is going to be a great backfield to pick a fantasy running back in. I know that that's kind of Shocker. the for the Patriots anyway. <laughs> right. And, and it really does feel like, to me, I know there's been some kind of momentum towards the Damian Harris side of things because of how he played last year. But I really do think that Sony's going to get plenty of opportunity and they're both going to get a lot of chances and a lot of touches, especially to keep both of those guys fresh. I would also say that Brandon Bolden, even though he's somebody that I think is definitely going to be the third guy in that early down back role, if he is in that role, or even if he's sometimes a little bit better out of the backfield as a pass catcher as well, he's looked very, very good after opting out last year. He looks fresh. He looks ready to go this year. So uh, that backfield is deep. It's going to be spread around. I don't think one guy is going to dominate the touches, but from a fantasy perspective, that's that's what I'll say. But in a high leverage situation, right, when they need to close out the game late in the fourth quarter or they need a big uh, first down conversion on third and one, I think it will be Damian Harris. But you're going to see the carries, I think, are going to be split pretty even on the whole. But you're going to see those high leverage situations. I do think that will favor Harris. Evan, how about wide receiver? Obviously, and I guess where I'm going to go at this point is as a person that really – I was impressed with the transition Jacoby Myers was able to make in the NFL from quarterback to wide receiver. He has the athletic ability. He really showed, I think, a really strong rapport with Cam Newton last year. And, and I think that was a big reason that when Cam had that early success, particularly throwing the ball, it was because of Jacoby Myers. With the additions of Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, where is he fitting into things? And how has that room, which frankly has been pretty remade, looked so far in training camp? Well, honestly, they've looked pretty good. And from my eye test, I think it's difficult because the last two training camps in particular, 
the Patriots wide receiving corpse has been so bad that now that we actually see a guy, for example, like Nelson Aguilar, as you mentioned, who can actually run and stretch the field and get behind a defense every once in a while and create big plays through the passing game, it's like you're, you're seeing a unicorn here in, at Gillette Stadium, right? Like we haven't seen something like this. I don't know, probably since Brandon Cooks in 2017 out here at training camp. So I've been at the last four training camps, and Aguilar in particular, his speed and his dynamic ability to create explosive plays is better than any receiver we've seen out here in the last four seasons. I mean, Julian Edelman was great when he was out at training camp in 18 and 19, but he's that shifty type of slot receiver, right? He's not a guy that's creating big plays over the top of the defense. So Nelson Aguilar... I think a lot of people down here on the beat have been shocked at just how many big plays he generates. Even if he doesn't catch them all, even if he doesn't finish them all, just the threat of him out there has been a really big difference compared to, let's say, a Demir Bird last year, which I think mm-hmm. is not saying much. But obviously it's one of those things where it's difficult. It's like where the Patriots receivers for the first three years that, that I was here just so bad that Aguilar and Bourne just look great just because they're professional wide receivers and guys that have actual tools to work with at this level, or are they actually making some headway in that group? Because Bourne, he is not as explosive as Aguilar. He's definitely more of a possession route running type of receiver, but he has been open a ton for the first four days of practice, and he has caught a lot of balls, and he's got a really good knack for finding open spaces, very good route runner, really strong hands, and the quarterbacks seem to really like him and are kind of getting uh, to him in, in certain situations, and Myers is sprinkling in as well. So that top three looks pretty solid right now, at least compared to what the Patriots have had in the last couple of seasons. I mean, when you're in camp last year in 2020 and your top receivers in the huddle are Demir Bird, Jacoby Myers, and Muhammad Snoo, and then they release Muhammad Snoo and they never actually makes the team. I mean, it's a big difference to go from that to Aguilar, Bourne, and Myers. You know, so it has been a nice improvement. It's been a welcomed improvement. I'd even say Nikhil Harry's had some moments because they've kind of been able to use him in the red zone and, and the closer to the goal line in the right ways because he's not necessarily forced to do the things on the outside that they needed him to do because they didn't have anybody else. So it's been a breath of fresh air to have some pass catchers in camp, including the two tight ends that look right. like they're actually NFL receivers and look like they can actually do some things. Yeah, that's, and that's kind of where I think the next question here goes, right? Because – with their presence in this lineup, it's going to be hard week to week to determine. And, and I think this is really more so a point of how you defend the Patriots offense now moving into the season. I think it's going to be really hard to determine week in and week out how this offense prioritizes who to get targets to. And I think, I think the great part about how they've built the offense this year is you don't necessarily need to force the ball to one player. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, variety on how they do this. Having a lot of 12 personnel on the field, maybe pulling it's 12 personnel, but you've got Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith lined up as a receiver, and it's not a true 12 personnel look. Uh, Talk about the mismatches that McDaniels is going to be able to create with two tight ends that I think are really two of the top seven, top eight tight ends in the league. Yeah, I think that's what has me the most excited about this group is because we're out here in camp now and these beginning stages especially, but pretty much everything that they put in front of the media is basic concepts, right? They're not showing us any of the smoke and mirrors yet. They're not showing us any of the stuff they really cooked up in the lab. So we're not getting misdirection. We're not getting play action. We're not getting different formations to that degree yet. And you're still seeing 
Henry, Janu, uh, the three wide receivers I mentioned, you're still seeing those guys make plays. And once it all gets into game planning and once they get into you know, hunting mismatches and working on game plans and strategically planning against the defense, I think it's going to really increase their just kind of success rate even more. So this group, I think, has the chance. We kind of knew on paper that they had some good upside. I think what I've seen over the last four days, today was a sloppy day for the offense, but just as an overall big-picture theme, I would say for the first four days of camp, you have really seen that plan that they came up with in the offseason during free agency start to come to fruition on the field. And at times, Cam and Mac have both looked pretty good when they have those four or five guys out there throwing to them. So I, the Patriots, I think, wanted to build an offense where it was a lot more quarterback-proof than what they had in, in 19 and 20. Those two offenses, they were so limited at the, at the skill positions yeah. that even when Brady was here in 19, they were relying so heavily on the quarterback to be good, right? And right. now I think that both quarterbacks, if they're in there, could actually probably have some success just because of the players that they have. You know, Hunter Henry has been great in the red zone drills that they've been doing. Johnny Smith crossing over the middle of the field and then catching and running with the ball like he did in Tennessee. These opportunities are out there for these quarterbacks as long as they can make some of these throws. All right, Evan, last thing for you. I wish that we had more time because we could probably do a whole part on this defense here because it's just com- it's going to look completely different than it did in 2020. Talk to me about maybe what is the most exciting thing for the first couple of days of practice on the defensive side of the ball and, and, and maybe talk about where the defense stands in training camp versus the offense. I think the one interesting thing here in Buffalo so far for the first few days is, is sort of the – the standard of training camp is that the defense always looks a little bit ahead of the offense, particularly early on, and then it usually catches up by the end of training camp. It's sort of been flipped on its head here in Buffalo. The offense has looked really sharp, really crisp and clean early on in training camp, and the defense is starting to catch up now as we, as we move further into training camp. What has been your impression of this new-look defense and how it has started training camp this year? Well, I think what the hallmark of every good Bill Belichick defense over the years was the early 2000s defense or the defense in 18 and 19 is, is just having versatility at linebacker and depth at linebacker because they run the 3-4 here. Their defensive linemen are, are gap eaters, you know, block eaters. They're not guys that necessarily put up flashy stats because the guys behind them at the second level or the guys on the edges are the ones that they really want to be the playmakers. And what we've seen out here – so far, granted, there's there's no pads, so we're not into contact yet. But what we've seen out here so far is that between Judon and Hightower and Van Noy and Uche, uh, those four guys in particular, and Winovich isn't even out here yet because he's, he's on the pup list, those four guys in particular really give them a lot of juice in that linebacking core to do what Bill Belichick likes to do right he likes to be multiple he likes to give the quarterback a bunch of different looks to try to confuse the QB who's coming who's dropping you know those types of looks and all these guys can really do all those different types of things so the linebacking core last year was just riddled by both opt-outs with guys like Hightower opting out and and just a lack of talent at that position they've really kind of completely overhauled that thing this year and it looks a whole lot better and a whole lot more like what a dominant Belichick defense would look like if there's one concern that i have and i continue to have out here at practice is we don't have stefan gilmore out here yet he's on the pup list as well but assuming that gilmore comes back after gilmore jackson jc jackson and john jones their slot corner 
the covered talent at cornerback really drops off after that top three. Now, you hope that all three of those guys can stay healthy and you don't have to worry about that. But that fourth cornerback position, the third outside corner position, whether it's Jalen Mills or Jawan Williams, those guys have been up and down throughout practice. And I just see that as a kind of an Achilles heel potentially is if somebody goes down in that secondary or if they have to play a team like Buffalo who's going to put a lot of receivers out on the field, they, that's an opportunity maybe if you can get Jalen Mills in a bad matchup or if the Patriots put Jawan Williams on the field and you can get him in a bad matchup, I do think you can pick on their depth at cornerback and that's something that I'll continue to monitor because they could make a move there, I think, because this, this group is not deep in the secondary like it has been in years past, especially at that cornerback position. All right, Evan, as always, man, I, I can't tell you and tell you how much we appreciate you making time for us like you always do. No questions asked. Thanks a lot, man. Enjoy the rest of training camp. You and I will be uh, in short touch, I'm sure, and looking forward to catching up with you after training camp. Sounds good, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Evan Lazar there on the Wester Hotline. Of course, you can follow Evan at EZLazar uh, uh, on Twitter. And, uh, of course, you can check out his work over at CLNS Media on Twitter. And he's, of course, the host of the Patriots Beat Podcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.